Hello and welcome to the Limitless Podcast with me, Joshua Patterson. I'm passionate about sharing the stories of courage and resilience. Each week, I will be interviewing extraordinary people from all different walks of life who saw past their statistics, who turned personal moments of adversity into strength. My hope is that this podcast can inspire you to step outside of your limits and achieve things you thought never possible. Welcome to Limitless. This podcast is sponsored by Wellman Vitamins. When life shows no signs of slowing down, Wellman's advanced supplements give you optimized support to keep you feeling your best. Designed exclusively by Vitabiotics for the lifestyle needs of men at every stage of life. Wellman is the UK's number one multivitamin for men offering comprehensive formulas with vitamins B6 and B12 to support normal energy release. So to support you in pushing past your limits, Wellman is here to help you feel energized and live life well. To find out more, visit www.vitabiotics.com slash pages slash Wellman. Thank you to all of the team at Wellman. I'm joined today by an adventurously ambitious female in her mid-twenties with many hopes and dreams. She's a medical student studying to become one of Britain's best doctors She's travelled the world solo, a public speaker, a writer, a published poet, an artist and an ex-GB athlete. She is also disabled. Deaf and blind with a long-term physical disability of the muscles, affecting a multiple organ system. One day she will lose her sight. She yearns to see and experience the world before it goes blind. Today I introduce to you the incredible... Alexandra Adams. Hello. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you on the Limitless podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, brilliant. Do you, know, do you know what's crazy? I was sat at my mum's boyfriend's dinner table mm-hmm. in Norfolk. Yeah. And um, him and I don't really have a lot in common. Mm. Like, I'm very sporty. He's not into sport at all. He's 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 big time cars. I love cars, but not nearly to the extent that he does. Yeah. He sat there and he said, um, Josh, I've got this newspaper article and I really want to show you this amazing woman. So he shows me this article and it was you. <laughs> and, I, and I was reading it and I was just absolutely blown away by your story. And the minute I read it, I knew that I had to get you on because actually I still feel like there are so many people that still have not heard your story yet. Yeah. And I just, I think with you know, anybody's life story, there's so much more to it than, you know, on the surface. And, it, and it's crazy on my terms as well, because literally, you know, I had an article out in the Sunday Times, which was instigated by by the health reporter who just kind of you know, contacted me out of the blue. And yet and it kind of just went from there. But before then, I'd had no media exposure whatsoever. But I think with the thing of being on sort of, you know, in the headlines and the news and stuff, you only have sort of five or six minutes on air to literally just tell everyone your, your story and, and it doesn't seem enough because then you only get a very small snippet of what's going on. Do you know what I was doing a lot of reading on you this morning and I'm going to read out something that I've written down that, that, that you wrote which I just found so powerful okay. and I think it says a lot about your character mm. to be honest. I'm a young adventurously ambitious female mid-twenties with many hopes and dreams I am a medical student studying to become one of the next generation's empathetic, 
wholeheartedly serving doctors. I'm no more ordinary than anyone else. I am an avid solo traveller, a public speaker, writer, published poet, artist, XGB skier, and I'm also disabled. I am deafblind and have a long-term physical disability of the muscles affecting a multiple organ system. One day I will lose my sight. So I yearn to see and experience the world before it goes blind. That is so powerful. What I think is so incredible about you is how you started off with who you are. Mm. I think too many people allow whatever adversity or disability that they have or may be mm. facing to, to, to define who they mm. are. Yeah. And what I've said so many times is that, you know, things can define who you are, but they define you in the way that you wish them mm. to be. Absolutely. And the fact that you started off with all of that and you ended it with the, and I'm disabled, yeah. I think it says a lot about you. Yeah, it, and it's it's important to do that because I think, like you said, if you've got a particularly a visible disability, people sort of from the outside, they just look at you for your disability and nothing else. So that's why it's important to say, well, actually, you know, OK, I have a disability, but I'm also this, I'm also that. Because I think that people forget that, yeah, OK, we might have disabilities, strengths, weaknesses, but we do have lives as well. Um, and we can flourish just like anybody else. And that's important. So if you could give the listeners today a small sort of like, of yourself you know where where did it all begin so I was born deafblind my parents knew straight away that I had a visual impairment because I you know when babies are born they open their eyes for the first time they're they're big and mine were really small so thinking you know something's going on here they didn't realize I was deaf until we had the pet dog sat next to me and it was barking and I was I was a baby I wasn't flinching and they just thought I was ignorant <laughs> but yeah no they did some hearing tests and realized that I was profoundly deaf and I had my first hearing from the age of two so that kind of started from the beginning but then as I've kind of grown up we've discovered other things along the way so like I have one kidney and a few other sort of things and you know just things that popped up out of the blue and then it wasn't until I started medical school actually that I was diagnosed with uh, it was last year um, with a progressive muscle condition which has landed me in intensive care 16 times so it's just constant you know having to adapt uh, and change your lifestyle um, based on whatever crops up next but like I said earlier it hasn't stopped me from achieving what I want to achieve and actually I can remember as a kid I hated being different because I was bullied for it and it was always it was always seen as a, a bad thing something to be ashamed about but actually now particularly things from you know my story being shared um, with the world I like being different. I want to be as different as possible. I want to stand out and I want to show that we should be embracing those differences. Bullying and kind of this, the whole discrimination with disability and stuff, it's actually become worse as I got older. And I thought it would be the opposite. So adults are really ignorant. But I think it's this, it's this mixture of ignorance uh, and not actually wanting to sit down and understand someone's life story, their disability. But I also think it is this, this fear because in today's society, we are so scared of saying the wrong things and disability with, with everything else, ethnicity, um, cultural background, anything, until we start making it a normal conversation, a topic to talk about, it's going to forever be a taboo. People won't want to sort of question 
it and and that needs to change we need to bring it into you know we need to make it a, a norm and it goes back to sort of the whole thing with me in medicine you know okay I'm a disabled medical student I'm the UK's first deaf by medical student but shouldn't that be a good thing because actually we need to be representative of the patient population um, and until we do have disabled doctors we're, we're not going to represent our patients and it's the same with society in general. You could have someone with full hearing full sight but it doesn't mean that they're empathetic. No, exactly. And actually, it's sad because a lot of doctors I've come across in my training are the ones who are short-sighted, metaphorically speaking, uh, you know, blind to the most obvious things. They're deaf to the most obvious things. And, and I can give you a classic example. I mean, I was in hospital for a year and a half when I was a teenager. So I'd been training on the GB swimming team and I was training towards the London 2012 Paralympics. And then all of a sudden I had a surgery that went completely and utterly wrong. Um, I was in for that year and a half, had 20 stomach surgeries. And every single day, these doctors would just come around on the ward and they'd look at, you know, stand at the invisible line at the end of the bed and they'd look at the notes and mumble amongst themselves and then they would move on. And not once would they address me and tell me what was going on. You know, I was the patient here. And then there was this one doctor who came back and she said the three most important words a patient wants to hear. And they were, are you okay? And of course, I wasn't, and I burst into tears, and I said, no, I, I don't know what's going on. But she just smiled, and she, she got up, and she drew the curtains round, and she lifted up her blouse, which a doctor has never done before, you know, in front of me. And then she showed me a massive scar along her ribs, and she said, I know how you feel. So she had been in hospital at a similar time to me, at a similar age, and so she had empathy, and she taught me that I too would have empathy for the future when I become a medical student. And, you know, it was a few months ago as a medical student on the ward round. Again, I'm in this huge crowd of doctors. As a med student, you're always at the back. But I couldn't help but personally notice this patient was really unhappy. I couldn't see them. I couldn't hear what they were saying. But we weren't addressing that patient. And then the doctors with full sight and hearing just moved on. And I went back and I said, are you OK? And she burst into tears and said no. And turns out this patient had come down from intensive care and that was the point that I thought about that junior doctor back, you know, on, on the ward when I was in hospital. And I just said, I know how you feel. I've been on ICU. It's tough, but it will get better. I didn't need eyesight or hearing for that. I didn't need blood test results. I didn't need even my clinical knowledge at that stage. I just needed to sit down with that patient, treat them as a human being and tell them it was all going to be OK. And sadly, I think we are lacking in that. As in the healthcare field in general, we are so focused on ticking the tick boxes, you know, looking at the statistics and the numbers, we are forgetting about people. Just human connection. Mm, mm. It's the basics. It's And actually in medical school, we are kind of moulded into these things. That we become robots. We're so good at picking out the science, picking out the clinical stuff that we are, we're not taught the basics, you know, sitting down and talking to people. And it's sad. Do you feel like everything that you've experienced from from your young childhood has moulded you into the person that you are? Mm-hmm. You know, before you even went and took up medicine, you wrote this, which I, I found so interesting. After numerous counts of facing discrimination and exclusion due to my disability alone, a spontaneous gap year of travelling the world, blind and solo, to gather headspace and to top up my determination. <laughs> So you've been excluded, mm. you're isolated, mm. and your decision was to go travelling. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the, the prospect of going travelling 
when you do have sight and hearing, mm. it's quite a daunting concept. For you to go and do it on your own is remarkable. <laughs> it's a bit. Sometimes it's a bit stupid. I mean, I've landed myself in some very, very uh, funny situations, uh, quite alarming situations. But you know, I love that stuff. I love the spur of the moment decisions. I love the spontaneity of just enjoying life. And I think people again they forget that I can do that. I'm not. I'm not stuck in my house, you know, just doing the same old stuff. I can venture out. And and it's funny you saying, you know, going back, has, has my life experiences moulded me into who I am today? Well, yes, because I, and it was always seen as a bad thing, but every single year on my school report, it was just, it just one word, and it was stubborn in big red letters. And my teachers and my parents were like, this is a terrible thing, Alexandra. But actually, being stubborn was the one quality, say quality, that got me to where I am today because you know I was I was excluded so I you know I was at a blind school after I came out of hospital and it was actually there that they were telling me don't even bother at blind medical school blind people just don't do that of course being stubborn I then did the opposite so I applied to medical school and I got a place at this this medical school um and between getting my offer and my results I went up five times just to make sure that they were absolutely you know comfortable and, and happy to have me as because I knew that I, I had unique circumstances you know I wasn't avoiding that fact and they told me time and time again that it was absolutely fine they were ready to have me and I got higher grades in the summer and I thought oh my gosh I've done it I mean getting into medical school alone for anybody is is challenging it's stressful so obviously you can imagine I was overwhelmed and I was excited but then a week before moving into accommodation, after I'd you know gone through that excitement of buying the crockery and the cutlery, uh, they rang me up one evening and said, "Oh, we've changed our mind. We don't want you anymore because you're disabled." And literally, just like that, put the phone down, and I was left with nothing for a year. And it was this point that you know my family, who were my greatest supporters, they were the ones who sat me down and said, "Look, you know, well done for trying." but it's not going to work. This is the sign that you are just not going to become a doctor. You need to change your career path. But I just I just had this instinct to give it one more shot, um, which I did. And then obviously I got into Cardiff Medical School a year later. But in the process, I wanted to discover myself and I wanted to, you know, like you say, I just wanted to go out there and just enjoy and embrace the world. It's so amazing when actually something like that happens. A lot of people may be faced with something like that and don't utilise the gift that's been given to them. Mm, mm. They see the negative. And actually, when you have that time and that space to think and do, go and do something. Yeah. The one positive or, or good piece of advice I got from the blind school that I went to was from my school principal on my last day. And she said to me, Alexandra, it's better to try and fail than fail to try. And if we are constantly in this sort of vicious cycle of failing to try, we will never know what's on the other side. The funny thing is, though, the fact that they were highlighting constantly and it was seen as a negative quality that you were stubborn, mm. I would change that word. I, I wouldn't say you were stubborn. I would say you're resilient. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that's a quality that so many people want. We give up so easily. We yeah. take rejection so hard. Mm -hmm. I think you learn more from your rejections and your failures than you do from your successes. Oh, absolutely. I think ultimately when you accumulate all of those together, that's what creates the successes. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that you are, if someone wants to call it genetics or, mm. you know, you know, just naturally gifted at something that you just have your successes off the back. Mm. You've got mm. to have a few knocks in life to get yourself to that point. And I think that's what becomes your motivations. Mm. You need to feel at those lows 
to understand how good it is to be at those highs. Absolutely. And I just think that if we don't have those challenges, I think it just makes life so boring. And, you know, I'm currently writing a book about my experiences. And, and as I'm writing it, I'm thinking, geez, you know, I, I went through a lot, you know, being a patient for a long time as a young person and missing out on the kind of the social days, if you like. But actually, that's given me these qualities that are now so useful to me as, you know, a soon-to-be doctor. And again, I apply that to my everyday now because I just think, well, actually, I'm going onto the wards every single day and I'm being faced with a negative comment, you know, here and there. When I become that qualified doctor, you know, those who have just kind of breezed through medical school, if they are faced with the slightest sort of criticism on their first day, they are going to crumble. And I've seen it. I've seen it happen so many times and it's sad, but you know, because I've had that kind of discrimination from day one, it's it's made me, it's allowed me to build that kind of harder shell to say, look, you know, it's no no point worrying about that. You know, I can just move on, brush that past and just go on with life. And uh, I just think that's so important with the resilience. Before you went into medicine, you were training with the Paralympic team for mm. the 2012 London Olympics. Mm. Unfortunately, that dream and that chapter came to quite an abrupt end. Can you go into detail about that? So essentially, from the age of 11, I was on the GB swimming team. And I think it was something that we kind of naturally fell into because my family were all swimmers. And it was really exciting. And, and that actually became my life. But not necessarily out of choice. It just it just happened. And I just remember going through school and, and I would, you know, go to school, do, do the work, come back, do homework, and then just go swimming, training, do it early morning, late in the evening. And that was my life. And then it just kind of just naturally went to, oh, you're starting to train for the Paralympics. And then I got sponsorship and it, it was fantastic. And But yeah, I ended up having this sort of major surgery that just went absolutely wrong. And, and I had 20 in that in that year and a half. And 20 surgeries. 20 surgeries. And, and actually, and I don't remember much of that year because I was on so much morphine. It was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, people say, oh, you know, that's a really... That must have been really hard, like a really negative experience. But I say, yeah, but actually, had that not happened, I wouldn't have left the grammar school that I was in. I wouldn't have gone to the blind school. I wouldn't have learned to ski because that's when I went on my first ski holiday. I then wouldn't have been on the GB ski team. And then I wouldn't have been faced with those very particular challenges that actually made me more determined to get into medical school. Um, if none of that had happened, I don't know what I'd be doing. Would I still be an athlete? Who knows? So I think everything does happen for a reason. I am grateful for everything that's happened to me, even the really bad stuff. What do you think made you get into medicine, though, after something? I mean, to go from, from GB swimming to medicine is, is quite a drastic change. Mm -hmm. Do you feel it was the way that you were treated inspired you to want to get into medicine, to try and make that change into something that you felt was so flawed? To some degree, yes. I mean, before even ending up in hospital, I knew that I'd always wanted to go into a field which involved helping people and caring for people. Because obviously with my disabilities, I'd already had that kind of level of insight um, to help others. Obviously, I was a swimmer, so sport was a big part of my life nonetheless. But no, I think you're definitely right. It's definitely been my time in hospital that re reaffirmed that this is what I wanted to do. And going back to the junior doctor that kind of showed me the whole idea of empathy I suddenly you know I think it was probably on one of the days that I wasn't so sort of you know conked out with with medication and stuff but I just suddenly thought oh how many other people 
in my situation at my age has gone through what I'm going through right now, are, are they able to sort of deliver the same kind of patient care as, as I would? And I thought, mm, no. And so, yeah, OK, disability aside, I might not have as much eyesight, but I have more insight to give people. So I definitely do think that, you know, being in hospital for that period did did help. But funnily enough, I mean, obviously, I've had these 16 admissions to intensive care since starting medical school. And uh, I'm becoming a terrible patient because the more times I end up in hospital, I literally demand to like be discharged. Um, and I mean, it's great being on the ward seeing patients. But you know, when you're a patient yourself, I it's, it's just becoming more testing. But you know, you've just got to I think it's because you know what happens as a as a healthcare professional. You know, you can go home after a long shift and switch off. You can't do that when you're the patient. So when you you can kind of be in the shoes of both sides, it's more tricky. But I always try to see it as a as a positive thing. And it's it goes back to that that passion. If you are passionate about something, you know, regardless of what it is, you can make it work. You know, whichever way it is, you know, it might be a really long journey on the mountain, but you will get there if you are passionate about it. And actually going back to the whole thing with the the education system, it's it's ignorance, but it's it's in kind of an innocent ignorance. I don't think I mean again, this might just be me as a person. I I don't like to look at the negatives. I try to turn everything into a positive somehow. I don't think it's, I mean, yes, there are some people, the minority of people who are just plain old nasty. And you can't change that. You are going to have people like that in your life. But I don't think it's malicious. I just think people try to put you in bubble wrap too much and they try to protect you. But then if you're protected too much, you will never experience the real world out there. I mean, my travelling, for instance, the number of times I have got, I mean, I was in Hong Kong a few years ago and I decided just to go, I was travelling solo. I got lost in a forest and um, with my cane, I kind of, you know, sort of put it over and realised I was on a cliff of some form. So I had to sit down and slide down this cliff. And long story short, I found myself on the hard shoulder of the motorway. And But, you know, like that, I mean, it's dangerous. It's like daredevil kind of. A, <laughs> but, you know, I look back and think, that's quite funny. You know, it's, it's you know, you've got to take these risks. Um, yeah. You know, get out of that bubble because you would just never experience like real world stuff otherwise. I love the real world stuff. If you are passionate about it, do it don't hold back I mean you know I'd also say that it's perfectly human it's perfectly natural to have those dips now I've ended up in so many holes in my life um, and you've just got to climb out of them you might need a day or two or a month or whatever to kind of sit back and go reflect on everything but you just need to get up and carry on and and I say that physically and and metaphorically and it's the, the people who embrace and fulfill their life most are the people who have fallen down the deepest and darkest of holes and they have managed you know in their own time to climb back out of that hole the people who stay at the bottom just say oh, i'm just going to give up they they don't ever see the light again i think that's the difference i think that's why limitless was created mm-hmm. you know facing my own adversities empathizing with other individual stories who Thank would you. you say you owe thanks to you've acknowledged certain individuals but i mean if we could really emphasise the individuals in your life that have had that impact, that have inspired you, mm. that have supported you when others haven't, mm. who would you like to acknowledge today? My family. I mean, I know it's 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 kind of straightforward common sense, you know, like if you come from a supportive family, then it's always going to be them. But, you know, my mum and dad spent hours on end, you know, 
making sure that I could just grow up in society, you know, prepared to face the downsides, the positives, the negatives, um, and just to, like I said, be who you want to be. And obviously the junior doctor that showed me her scar because she really, she really told me and taught me that the key, you know, above anything else, the clinical skills, the, the scientific knowledge, that the key to medicine, to life, to people is empathy. It's the most powerful gift any human can have. To anyone that's listening today and has heard this podcast, whenever you doubt yourself or somebody tells you that you cannot do something, I want you to remind yourself of what Alexandra has said today. It doesn't matter how many hurdles you face, you will continue to face those hurdles, but it's how you face them mm -hmm. is the most important thing. Exactly. I'm so grateful, as I've said before, to have you on today because I think your look on life is so inspiring. You are everything that Limitless embodies. I cannot wait to see you graduate Thank and become so an much. official doctor. I think that is just in itself the most remarkable thing. Thank you, Josh. And, and you know, you're more than welcome to come to graduation as well. That would be, uh, that'd be amazing if you could. Uh, it would be my <laughs> honour to be there at your graduation. I'm, I will be like one of your crazed family. <laughs> Waving a flag with a sign, <laughs> crying, Kleenex tissues in every pocket, <laughs> sniveling, snot all over the face. <laughs> but thank you so, so much. Thank and I you, wish Josh. you all of the luck in the world. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Limitless. This podcast is something I'm so passionate about and would love it if you would let me know your thoughts and opinions by leaving a rating and a review in the comment section. It really helps me to spread the word. If you think this story might resonate with someone you know, then please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes every Thursday where I'll be talking to more inspirational guests who have seen past their limits. Until next time.